So I live in a city, and one night I was with a girl. We are both middle-aged in our late 30s or early 40s at the time. I am now 48 years old. One night, her and I decided to go to a cemetery as lovers do. We have been to this cemetery a couple of times previously, always at nighttime though. This cemetery is rather big and has two halves. Well, this night I decided to pull into the half we never went into together. I have been to this half plenty of times. I used to carry my flat bottom boat to the pond that butts up to the cemetery to fish. So, this night we pulled in and exit the car. The weather was rather nice. It was a nice summer night, good conditions, stars and full bloom. We are standing at the hood of the car. We had not been out there for more than five minutes if I had to guess. Now, it is pitch dark outside and there is no noise at all. No bugs, no cars in the distance. It was total silence. Just her and I. It was the only sound that we could discern. As we were standing there, I was getting ready to embrace her, and out of nowhere, we hear this deep growl. Now, I know how a dog's growl sounds, and this definitely was not a dog or a coyote. There is not much wildlife in this part of the city anyhow. This growl was in my face. It was not below my belt as if it were a dog or something. I stand six feet tall, and this growl was face level, and it penetrated through my chest. It was very vocal and strong. It was like a warning. I felt the growl go through my upper body. Without hesitation, we both immediately jumped in the car. And yes, I immediately hit the car lights as I was jumping in. I had to see what it was, because I just knew it was not anything of normalcy. When the lights were on, there was absolutely nothing there. Just an empty cemetery. I could not believe what I was looking at. Something was literally eye level with me and gave me a warning of some sort, and then it just disappeared. It happened so fast, and how could it just be gone like that? Once in the car, I asked her what she thought about it. She said that she did not know, but that growl went through my entire body and that she wanted to leave. Since that experience, I have not gone back in there, not even to fish. To this day, I still wonder what the hell that was. I don't think it was any sort of wildlife. Well, I hope this is a good story and makes your list. Either way, I will never forget this night. I have had a couple of strange things happen to me in my lifetime. I have lived in both New Zealand and Australia and I have had some weird experiences for both, but I want to talk about the two I experienced growing up. As I am 19 now and they have stuck with me ever since I can remember. The first story is the first paranormal thing I can remember happening to me. There have been a few now. I grew up in a rural area of New Zealand in the South Island. I was around five years old at the time this story happened. It was sometime around 7.30 at night and I was playing with my dolls. As I sat there playing, I began to get that cold and uneasy feeling that often settles over you when you are being watched. Being a small child, I did not know exactly what to do, so I froze. My hands clenched around the dolls tightly. It felt like forever as I sat there, waiting for the feeling to dissipate. 
but it didn't. It continued, until eventually from my closet, I heard the soft voice of a man say, Hello? Hello? I was immediately filled with fear. I muttered a quiet, Hello? Back before I bolted to my parents crying hysterically, telling them what I had heard. They did not take my story too seriously, as I was so small. They chalked it up to a hyperactive imagination, and since it was past my bedtime, they thought maybe I was just sleep deprived. The other story comes from when I was 7 years old. This happened to me and multiple other people, but it still left me very jittery. This story happened at my primary school. Now some important background information about my school. It was in a place in New Zealand called Tua Marina and was situated below a cemetery on a hill. The site of which memorializes the event which took place in the area where at least four Maori people were killed in 1843 by British colonizers over a land dispute. That and it is also a commemorative site for locals killed in the Boer War. It is a delightful spot for a primary school I am aware. I was going into the bathroom during my lunch break when I stumbled across the older sister of one of my friends surrounded by her friends crying hysterically. The girls looked at me and were worried. They thought that I might tell the teacher. I cannot remember why exactly, so they asked me if I would keep a secret. And so the sister began to describe what had happened. She had been playing hide-and-seek with her friends in the wooded area of my school, the area closest to the cemetery on the hill. She had been hiding when she saw the shadow of a man on one of the trees opposite of her. When she turned to run, it began to whisper her name repeatedly, so she ran and found her friend who was the seeker, and when they went to see it again, the shadow was gone. Many years ago, when I was young and fit, I was out exercising before dawn. Our local cemetery was high on a hill. I would walk up the hill, then jog all around the concrete and gravel roads that wound in and around the graves. I had done this prior mornings, and I was not afraid of being in the graveyard pre-daylight. I had family and friends buried there. It was isolated, and I felt rather safe. One of the individuals interred there was a little girl named Kay. Kay was only 12 and starting junior high when an impatient idiot behind the wheel of a car killed her. On my frequent runs past Kay's well-kept grave, I often greeted her, wished her well, expressed my sorrow regarding her short, sweet life. On this morning of which I write, I jogged past Kay's grave and called out my greeting. In my head she spoke urgently to me. It's not safe up here this morning. I jogged on, a bit startled. Of course I glanced about, but all was normal. A few minutes later, Kay spoke again. There's a man up here. This time I stopped. Suddenly the dark hilltop seemed fraught with danger. My blood ran cold, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I know these things may sound like cliches, but they were no longer cliches in the moment. Still, I saw nothing. No man, no movement. But by now, every nerve in my body was screaming for me to get the hell out of there. I turned and ran. It was no longer a casual morning jog. It was a sprint for my life. I ran past Kay's grave back down the steep hill, caring not that my quadriceps complained. As I fled, I listened for any pursuers, 
and I heard none, but that did not lessen the overwhelming sense of peril that kept me running harder even after I exited the steep part of my route. The rest of that day, and even the remainder of that week, I listened for news of an escaped convict, a murderous madman, or anything that would explain Kay's urgent warning. But there didn't seem to be anything. I had no doubt then, nor do I have any years later, that I was in peril that morning. From whom, I don't know. But fifteen years have passed, and I can still recall the crystal clarity those two sentences from a poor child, put much too early in her grave, gave to me. Maybe this sounds crazy, but this is my story, and I stand by it. So about two or three months ago, I was out and about with my mom, and while driving home, I asked if we could stop by a graveyard. We usually pass this graveyard when driving down one of our usual routes. It probably sounds weird, but to be honest, I just like taking pictures. Aesthetically pleasing pictures to be more exact. And as you probably know, if you find the right headstone and capture it from the right angle, you can get some cool shots. I wanted to get a few pictures just for kicks, and I would be on my merry way. My mom liked to take pictures too, so she came along with me to find some cool things to photograph. Now, I did not actually get anything paranormal in these pictures, but the story is strange all the same. Here's the layout. The story of this graveyard is a bit weird, and the graveyard itself is a bit small. It has got a gate surrounding it, and is in the middle of a suburban neighborhood. Strange placement, I know. I always wonder what the surrounding residents must have seen when they saw this being dug and created. Anyway, the graveyard has a paved road that makes a U-shape and circles back around to the front. We drove down the noticeably short path and started from the back taking the pictures. This graveyard is old, so of course I got caught up in capturing the essence of the time-faded gravestones. Some stood up, some lay in the ground. My personal favorite is the one that used to have a carving of a lamb on top, but is now so old you can barely make out the shape. There are also a few graves that simply say infant or baby on them, and some graves that even date back to World War I. It was such an interesting experience. The whole thing was melancholy. As I approached the front area of the graveyard, I broke off from where my mom was to go look elsewhere. I found a couple of graves that sat in the ground, unkempt and dirty. Then I saw one grave, almost completely buried under a layer of dust, dirt, and cut grass. That is when the most intense feeling washed over me. It is hard to describe, but I felt scared in some way almost like someone yelled at me for something that I did, and maybe that is what happened. Either way, the feeling I got was not very welcoming at all. Whatever was there wanted me gone, and it wanted me gone then and there. I lingered for a second, feeling confused, but then I made a fast-paced walking effort back to my mom. I was on the verge of tears for literally no reason. I said to her, We need to leave. She of course asked why, and I did not really give her a coherent response until I calmed down. I felt like something did not want me there. It was not like a random thought that I had. 
I mean, I physically felt fear. My chest tightened up like it does when you get really scared, like when you were having a panic attack. I really don't know why, and trust me, I know exactly how panic attacks feel. I have had many panic attacks in my 14 years of life, and it very much sucks. I felt a little bit dizzy from whatever happened, to be honest, and it did not feel scared or anything anymore. It just felt like someone yelled at me for doing something wrong. At least, that is how I feel when I get yelled at. For anyone who is not as sensitive to anger as I am, it can probably feel a little bit different. This story is probably kind of underwhelming to read, but I have to say I was scared witless for several hours. I guess whoever was buried there wanted those pesky kids off their lawn. No hard feelings, I guess. I get mad whenever someone wakes me up too. Also, a bonus since I always look at the graveyard when driving by, the other day I saw something weird, and I have never seen anything paranormal there before. They have some standard garden hoses around the graveyard for keeping the grass green and nice, and a few colibariums on the side. When I was driving past there, I saw what looked like a transparent pair of legs walking. Once we passed the garden hose and columbariums, it was gone, and that was in about just a second's time. I did think it was just a person that was being partially obscured by the angle of the sun or something, but no matter how hard I looked in time, there's no way a person could have been gone that quickly. I did not see anyone there. I know it has to be a ghost. It wasn't an animal either. It sounds like standard ghost stuff to me, but still, it was creepy and I thought I would like to share it. Okay, so I had a rather creepy encounter a couple of months ago. It is not as intimidating as some of the others, but let me start off by saying I never would have believed in anything paranormal until that very night. Let me give you some backstory. I am a young female who still lives with my parents, and we partake in smoking pot on a daily basis. My mom had just gotten together with her now husband, I will call him Ron for privacy's sake, and we all need a nice safe place to toke without getting messed with. My mom still lived with her parents at the time, and they were fully against smoking. You know, those kinds of people who stay drinking every day and night, but smoking weed is a total abomination. Anywho, my mom and Ron had lived about 30 minutes apart from each other, so they would meet up every night to see each other. Conveniently, there happened to be a huge two-mile cemetery directly across my mom's parents' house, we started visiting the cemetery every night, sometimes extremely late. This cemetery pretty much became a home to us. We even gave it our name and backstory. I ended up spending hours and hours roaming the cemetery, playing Pokemon Go, freestyling with my boys and toking. Whether it was my ex who lived across the street from me or my parents, but one night, something changed my whole opinion on this cemetery. Me and my mom had decided to go out to the cemetery, and by we, I mean to get away from all the dudes. We get out of the car, in the back of the cemetery and spark up. We were having a great time joking and taking pictures and walking around. I did not believe in spirits or anything at that time, so I was being ignorant shouting things like, If you even exist, get in the selfie with us. Hey ghost, come step up taking pictures all over the place. Once we walked all the way to the pond and sat down, we were almost done smoking. All of a sudden, 
had got very quiet, and it was cold. There were no cricket sounds, no ducks quacking. Instantly, we heard an ear-piercing scream. It sounded like a little girl coming from behind us. It sounded like a shot all the way across the cemetery. It faded into silence, into nothing. We looked at each other in utter shock with the you heard that too, right? look on our face. We bolted for the car, not even daring to look behind us. We floored it out of there. Let me mention, on the way out a good-sized rock hit the window. I may have been exaggerating, but something in my stomach turned. Not for the good either. I wish I could say that is where it ended. But remember when I said I took those pictures? When we got home, we sat on the sofa, kind of laughing about the ghost until we checked my mom's phone. And what was in our selfie will shock me to this day. It was a figure. Just a head. Floating. One picture is something wearing a hoodie. In the other, there's no hoodie. Just what seems to be like a zoomed-in head with long pointy ears. You would think I would not go back, but apparently that was not enough for me. I went back with my ex on foot about two days after the incident, cell phone in hand. We got to the little lamb statue where they bury the children. We started to hug and take pictures, joking around again. He mocked me, saying that I was lying about the incident I had with my mom, so I wanted to prove it to him. He got nervous, like a sudden wave of anxiety, and tried to pull me away from the statue. I finally convinced him to chill out, and we were taking selfies up to the point where we heard two claps. We kind of ignored it, brushing it off until we heard it again. We looked at each other, like, oh hell no, and started walking towards the entrance very quickly, which was about a mile away. Just as we turned to leave the statue, and took a couple of steps, we heard more clapping. Loud, fast clapping. No breaks in between it at all this time. It appeared to be coming closer and closer as me and my ex were hauling ass out of there. We decided to not look at the photos. I wanted to have nothing to do with whatever I heard that night. Could it have been the same ghost from the picture from before? Could it have been random strangers? Who knows? I still go to that same cemetery every once in a while, not as much anymore since we moved in with Ron. I get uneasy every time I enter that cemetery though. Believe me, or not, that was a weird, strange, and downright nightmare-inducing experience. For the longest time, I was a tombstone caretaker for a cemetery in rural Georgia. It was only a summertime job for 16-year-old me. Nothing too crazy, just cleaning off the grime and built-up dirt from off of the tombstones and stuff. Now, to kind of set the scene a little bit. The cemetery included one building that housed bathrooms for the five caretakers employed by the cemetery, in addition to one small simple mausoleum. Other than that, it was just all flat earth with tombstones littering the entire site. The whole place felt pretty creepy to be honest. It felt pretty cut off, as the surrounding place were some of the densest forests in the entire state of Georgia. Naturally, because of the eerie as hell surroundings, I was always a little bit more paranoid than maybe I should have been. 
and I watch a buttload of horror movies and such, so that probably gave me a pretty bad vibe as well, but I guess that's honestly the terrible combo for someone working in a cemetery. So one night, I'm doing my rounds when I have to go into the small mausoleum. We had some of the wealthier families in the area entombed within, and it was my job to go in, make sure all was neat and clean, making sure it met the standards of these uppity folks. I'm walking over to it, and right off the bat I feel like something is off. I could not quite put my finger on it at first, just this general sense that I was not alone. That's about the time I noticed candlelight coming from the small mausoleum. I was also pretty certain that I could hear voices coming from inside too, like younger voices, kids my age at the time. From what I could hear, it sounded like they were giggling, laughing, and it didn't sound particularly wholesome. Now, I had not seen anyone enter or leave the cemetery, but I also was not about to potentially take out a bunch of drunk teenagers on my own, as I definitely would get my ass kicked. So I called the lone security officer on duty, the dude that does a few rounds on the lot. He was an older guy, a retired cop, but he was definitely tough and I knew he'd jump at the chance to help me out. When the ex-cop finally turns up, we both go inside. It was completely empty, which made absolutely no damn sense. I had literally just heard voices and stuff inside. There were indeed lit candles inside, burning around one of the tombs, a tomb that had been opened up to reveal the remains of a child-sized skeleton. Nothing other than that was disturbed though, but that stuff still was pretty creepy, mainly because the open tomb contained a rotten old child's doll, like the knitted kind. It was seriously disturbing to see this old thing smiling away whilst lying hand in hand with an actual skeleton of a kid. Me and the security guard quickly got out of there, doing a lightning quick sweep at the grounds to try to at least get eyes on the sick assholes that desecrated that little girl's final resting place. Neither of us saw a soul, which was more frustrating than it was scary, and after a quarter of an hour, we met back at the mausoleum to set the girl's grave in order by sliding the stone tablet back on top of the tomb. But when we stepped inside... The doll that was previously hand-in-hand hand with the dead girl was sitting on the other side of the mausoleum. Like just sat there, upright, with that same, uneven smile stitched across her face. Whoever was messing with us had actually gone back to move that doll to taunt us. I quit the next- Footprints in the Ice by Boobius Hackred I'll keep this short and sweet. A few years back, we were having a brutally cold winter. The snow had frozen into ice and covered everything. It was pitch black in the backyard when I let my dog outside one last time before bed that evening. As we exited the house from the sliding door of the walkout basement and onto the lower deck, I felt like something was off. Our home backs up to some woods so I was accustomed to hearing noises from the wildlife at night. But this, this was different. Nothing made a sound except the cold arctic wind, but I felt I was being watched. When my dog was in the backyard, I looked around nervously, expecting a coyote or a predator to pop out of the tree line. 
My dog did his business, but afterwards stopped and stared at a corner of the woods until I got creeped out and called him back inside. I quickly locked the sliding door and shut the curtains, unable to shake the uneasy feeling I had outside. Then, after double and triple checking all the locks in the house, I finally felt at ease enough to go to bed. Sometime around 3 in the morning, I hear the muffled sound of my dog barking from the basement two floors below. I got up, stumbled down three flights of stairs, and found him standing at the basement sliding door. He was peeking his head through the closed curtains, barking his head off with the hairs standing up all on his back. I tried calling him away from the door, but he would not let up. I dreaded peeking out the curtain to see what he was barking at, after the uneasy feeling I had from earlier in the night. Finally, I held my breath, swiped the curtain aside, I peered into the blacky inkness, but I saw nothing to cause any alarm. A wave of relief washed over me. I figured it must have been a deer or a raccoon in the yard that set him off. He whined at the door for a few more minutes until I bribed him upstairs with a dog cookie. After that, I went back to bed and wasn't disturbed again that night. That is, until the morning when I went to the basement to let out the dog. I opened the sliding door and walked out onto the deck as he bounded into the snow. When I looked down, my blood ran as cold as the sub-zero morning temperatures. A set of bare human footprints were frozen in the ice on the deck. They were obvious. I could make out each toe of the person's foot. The prints were large and appeared to be in the form of an adult, maybe a male. Looking around, I noticed they started at the base of the deck and disappeared off the side of the deck. I had my snow boots on, so I walked around the yard, but I could find no trace of the footprints in the snow once they left the deck. Keep in mind, the daily temperatures were at around 0 degrees Fahrenheit, and the wind chill was close to 20 below. Frostbite would set in within a matter of minutes for anyone walking around barefoot, especially in the dead of night. I never experienced anything like that again, but I have adopted a second dog. My Ghost Story by Tater These events started about a year and a half before my youngest nephew was born, and the little bugger turned a year old two months ago. I mentioned last time that I'm a practicing witch. I don't broadcast it much, but I don't hide it as I used to do it in my youth. This has led to a few friends over the years coming to me for more specific advice, and a few surprised me since I need to get used to people taking me serious for this kind of stuff. My best friend's aunt, who I believe is some sort of Christian denomination, paid me for a home cleansing in one of the wards I've made for my own home. The story started with this type of interaction with my pregnant sister-in-law. She called me to tell someone about the weird stuff that had started happening around their home. After an old friend visited for a few days, she admitted that this individual had a more sketchy past from life decisions and drugs and that they used to mess around with a Ouija board when they were younger. That was all I needed to hear and I gave her my undivided attention. I have to love how a powerful divination tool is sold as a kid's toy. I've heard too many horror stories about them to even give it a try. Anyway, she told me about the strange electrical issues that started when she first got there, but what worried her the most was that it never stopped after she left. Lamps would stop working, for example, and one even popped a bulb in my older nephew's room out of nowhere. 
What got to her and made her call me was the string of bad luck that started small but soon escalated to my brother getting into a car accident. He was ultimately okay but the car did not really uh, make it. It was totaled and they could not afford to replace it. She told me about a heavy feeling in the house, a sense of being watched. Around this time, my nephew started talking about the tall shadow in his room at night. When she told me about this, I was floored and confirmed her suspicions as something had been attached to her friend, who had decided to stick around. She was worried for her family, but the fact that she was pregnant, it, it, it cranked everything up to 11. It probably saw them as an easy target, causing stress to feed on the negative turmoil it caused. After the initial shock had faded, I was absolutely livid. I'm the type of person who doesn't care if you mess with me, but when you mess with my loved ones, it's a completely different story. She'd called asking for help, understandably on the more discreet side, so no cinnamon stick pentagram wraiths. She also didn't want to do anything that dealt with smoke for apparent reasons. I told her about simmer pots and simple sound cleansing, something she could do while I got things together for them in the meantime. She could go around the house banging on a bank and telling it to get out if needed. I made a protection jar in a small discreet glass jar smaller than a mason jar that she could place over her doorway or bury underneath her front porch. I also gave to her another small jar full of small tumbled pieces of obsidian. Those were for every entrance of the house, front and back doors, and windows for after she did the cleansing of her choosing. Simple. If it were, I wouldn't be typing this out at 1am when I can't sleep. I gave her the supplies at her baby shower a few weeks later. With all the friends and family there, I almost didn't pick up on the odd feeling that seemed to radiate from the closet in the corner to my sister-in-law. I'm a practitioner who loves crystals and makes jewelry, so I was discreetly protected from everything. At the time, I had let my anger get the better of me and challenged it to pick on someone their own size. Unfortunately, it did just that and followed me home. It took me a while to realize it, and also for it to get past my protections. Unfortunately, wards need to be refreshed and recharged after a period, and it was that time again. It started by going after me specifically at first, trying to scare me. In my previous story, I mentioned that I'm claircognizant. I often know things I cannot understand and even get quick flashes of impressions or over-actual images in my head like what a ghost looks like and what they're wearing, but I do not see anything with my eyes. This started by hanging back in the shadows before beginning to get a reaction out of me. Then, it liked to wait around doors so it would suddenly be in your face when entering a different room. It was skinny, dark, large, slightly sunken in eyes and long limbs. It spent most of the time in a crouched position, even when moving around. It would only stand up straight when it hung down from the doorway so it could loom over you. I could deal with this and be happy to leave my family alone, but that lasted for only just a short time. Once it realized it wasn't going to get what it wanted from me, most of the time laughing at its attempts to get me, it found a new target. I currently live with my parents, with my partner of 12 years, and our two young daughters due to issues with the new landlords taking over where we had been renting for quite some time. None of the other adults mentioned anything when I noticed its absence, but it was around that time my oldest, six-year-old, started having nightmares often and told me about the recent tapping on her window at night. After reassuring her and giving her one of my protection necklaces, I saw it go into their room one night after we had put them down. It was quick, but I still caught it, 
and it was smiling. I had been careless and arrogant to think that it would only come after me, and I had to get rid of it once and for all. I was going the whole nine yards to make sure it couldn't find a metaphorical hole to hide in. After a ritual shower to prepare myself, I opened all the windows before taking down my wards to charge them before cleansing every part of my home. I'm sure it knew what I was getting ready to do because of what happened next. My partner and I sleep in the basement. The girls getting my old room. I gathered everything from around the house and started down the stairs to get things started when I felt a shove at my upper back. It didn't knock me over, but pushed me in a way to have me roll my ankle and then fall down the stairs on my knees and shins. The only reason I didn't just go tumbling ass over the tea kettle was because my death grip on the wood railing. I had gone about halfway down the metal-rimmed stairs before my grip had tightened enough to stop myself abruptly. It took me a minute or so to get my banged-up legs back under me to finish getting down. My legs were cut up pretty bad and would be covered in bruises for the next week or two. The worst part were the toes of my right foot, though. I had somehow slid down partly on the top of my foot before going the rest of the way down on my shin. My foot was absolutely killing me and swelled up for quite a few days after. After making it to my desk and chair, I let myself quietly freak out for a few minutes. That was the first time anything had ever outwardly attacked me, but it had also convinced me that I needed to finish my task and get it out of here once and for all. I wrapped my foot up with an ace bandage and kept on going. No, I did not get my foot checked out. I live in the US and there is a minimal amount of doctors to choose from that would do anything with toe or foot injuries without costing me a billion dollars. I'll spare you the details, but after that, I haven't seen or felt that thing since. Even if I still can't curl my last three toes on that foot anymore. Thank you for your time, and I'm sorry that this got so long-winded. Greetings, Swamp Dweller. My name is Patrick. First off, I'd like to say that I love your show. I started listening and watching just a few weeks ago, while I was at work. I absolutely fell in love and I thought I should share a story that has plagued my mind for years about the time I saw something unnatural, vicious, and thirsty for blood. Personally, I think it was a demon, but I'll let you and the viewers or listeners, whatever you want to call them, decide. I'd like to apologize for the length of this story as there is a lot of detail that follows what happened. Everything in this story is true. I wish it wasn't, but unfortunately, I must live with it for the rest of my life. This story takes place when I was 17 years old as a junior in high school in Salina, Utah. I only had two friends in high school because everyone I went to school with thought I was a freak because I have been able to see and communicate with spirits since I was a child. It's a small town and everybody hears everything. My two friends Logan and Ryan and I were very avid paranormal investigators. We loved going all over our community and our county in general to investigate abandoned houses that were potentially haunted, and cemeteries rumored to be. Me being able to see and communicate with the dearly departed made the experience even more interesting. We decided to do something a little bit different this time though. We heard rumors that there was a dark figure that roams a wooded park in the mountains of our area. We like to call the mountain Cryptid Mountain, for reasons I'll get into for another story. When we heard about this place, the three of us got excited and waited for the weekend so we could go investigate and see what was going on. Fast forward to the day of the event. Saturday came and the three of us could not wait for nightfall to come. So, to pass the time, Ryan stole a pack of cigarettes from his father. 
His father smoked three packs a day and kept cartons of cigarettes in his room. We got in Logan's truck and headed to the park ahead of time to smoke them. You know, kid stuff. We sat in his truck and smoked almost half a pack in about five hours. As soon as the sun started to set, Logan started to get a strange feeling. He bent over, holding his stomach. Guys, I have a really bad feeling about tonight, Logan stated. Are you okay, man? I asked as a concerned friend, patting his back. He's fine, just being a pussy, Ryan replied before Logan could speak. Ryan was always a hothead and could be a complete and total jerk at times. Logan flipped him off and told him he was a dick, which I giggled at. After about 10 minutes, I asked Logan if he was ready to go and if he still wanted to do this. He replied with, Let's do it, brother. His attitude surprised me. Just two minutes ago, he was holding his stomach in pain. Now, he's hyped up. I was so confused, but his hype got me excited. We got out of Logan's truck and made our way to the destination. As we walked closer to the playground, we noticed that there was a man looking at us from a window of the supply shed. The three of us looked at each other in confusion, wondering why he was there. We later learned he was the groundskeeper, but more on that later. He looked scared, and it seemed like he was trying to tell us something while he mouthed something and pointed nervously. At first, we thought he was pointing at us, but we soon realized that he was pointing at the playground behind us moments later. Why doesn't he just open the door and tell us? I thought. So I decided I would go and see what he was trying to say. I made my way towards the window and shouted, We can't hear you! What are you trying to say? He made his way to the door and cracked it open and whispered, Don't go into the playground. Something big and mean is over there. If you're smart, you'll just get out of here. Chills ran down my spine when he said this. He closed the door and backed away from the window into the dark of his shed, not breaking eye contact with the playground. I ran back to my friends and explained to them what the man had said to me. Logan got that feeling again but Ryan expressed that the groundskeeper was probably just some sort of drug addict or something, and was probably just a big pussy like Logan and I. I told Ryan to shut up jokingly, and we made our way to the playground. Ignoring the warning from the frightened man, as soon as I set foot on the round pebble floor of the playground, I instantly felt, I don't know, angry. I wanted to hurt someone. I wanted to hurt my friends. I, I wanted to kill them. I shook my head to focus on the task at hand and made my way to the tube to slide, forgetting that feeling. I made my way to the slide and investigated the bottom of the slide and saw nothing, but I could feel that there was something in this area. I looked back at my friends. Logan was combing the area for any evidence, and Ryan was on top of the playset. I stood back up and took one step from the slide. Then, something tripped me. It felt like someone had physically grabbed me by the ankle and pulled me to the ground. When I hit the ground, I let out a loud, What the hell? Logan ran over to me in a panic. Patrick, are you- He froze in mid-sentence as he looked up at the slide. I looked up at him and asked, What's wrong? He just pointed to the slide, jaw dropped and eyes filled with fear. I turned around and saw what he saw. It was a big, shadowed figure staring back at us. It let out a slow, snarled growl. I noticed its hands receding back into the shadows on the slide and saw that it was, like, wet and pitch black. These long claws were like fingernails almost. I freaked out and kicked away from the slide, trying to get to my feet. 
At last, when I got to my feet with Logan's help, I turned to Ryan and shouted for him to get off the playset. Ryan looked at the two of us and saw the fear in our faces. Then he saw something crawling up the slide. He didn't stay to find out what it was. Instead, he jumped from the highest point of the playset to the pebbled floor below. When he landed, Logan and I heard a loud crack from Ryan's foot. Later, we found out that he broke his ankle in two places when he hit the ground. Logan and I picked him up and ran back to the truck. The anger, feeling, I felt earlier was back as soon as I set Ryan in the truck. I grabbed Logan's baseball bat from the bed of the truck and made my way back to the playground. I know now that this was a stupid decision. Logan and Ryan yelled and cried for me to come back, but I didn't listen. I got back to the slide and searched for whatever it was that scared the living daylight out of us. It wasn't in the slide anymore, nor was it even on the playground. I searched for what felt like an hour but was only a few short seconds. I looked over at the groundskeeper's shed and saw the door was open. I made my way over in a fury thinking I was going to mess this thing up. When I got to the shed, the rage inside me left. My body was replaced with confusion yet again. The groundskeeper was gone as if he was never there in the first place. I looked inside but didn't see anything out of the ordinary. I looked back at my friends in the truck to see them waiting in suspense. I felt as if something was breathing on my neck and froze in place like Logan did earlier. In fear, I slowly turned around to see something that will forever be etched into my mind. When I turned around, a shadowed face with piercing yellow bloodshot eyes stared back at me, snarling at me with this decayed and jagged looking smile, drooling some nasty yellow liquid. I was in a state of paralysis. I couldn't move at all. Then, this thing let out a roar so ferocious it brought me back to my senses. I dropped the bat and ran back to the truck as fast as my feet could take me. When I got to the truck, I hurried and jumped in and told Logan to get the hell out of there. After I got my breath back and Logan began to drive, I looked at both him and Ryan, and their faces were pale. I asked them what was wrong. This is what Ryan told me. Dude, when you were running back to the truck, something tall, thin, and black was running behind you, reaching out for you. I was speechless. To this day, I wonder what would have happened if it had caught me. Out of all the craziness and fear, we had Logan take Ryan to the ER. After the hospital visit and Ryan's extremely angry dad, we all went home. The next morning, Logan called me and asked if I went back to the park. I said no, why? Confused. Because this morning I was getting ready for my early morning run and when I opened my front door my bat was sitting on my porch with scratch marks all over it. My heart dropped. I remember dropping his bat at the park by the shed. I never went back to get it. What Logan said next still haunts me. It had this yellow stuff dripping from it. Later, we found out that the groundskeeper we thought we saw that night died of a massive heart attack in that same shed ten years prior to our investigation. I know this because we did some digging and we found an article and an obituary. Two years later, I learned the shed was torn down by the city for safety reasons, and they will not disclose why to the public, though. I'd love to read some comments as to what you guys think this was. Thank you for reading my story, Swamp Dweller. When I have the time, I'll share some more tales from Cryptid Mountain. For some people, this may seem far-fetched, but I can assure you this is real. So basically, I have been a sufferer of sleep paralysis for 10 years. 
I am 28 years old currently. I can sometimes get it up to 10 times in one night, to the point that I don't sleep at all, and believe me, it is exhausting. So I went to a friend who is a healer, and we have done a range of past life regressions and full moon rituals. I now also have begun to practice Wicca, which is not what people think. Nothing at all witchy, it's spiritual and protecting. Since I have found myself and become open to being an empath, I have been seeing voids every night before bed. Then recently, they have shown up in other places. It's like a strange black shifting, like smoke, that I can feel is a void or like a dimension if that makes any sense. Sometimes it feels bad as though something is trying to get through, but cannot due to the protecting crystals, sage, spells, and other powerful objects I have around me in my bedroom. I have begun to hear very loud ringing and voices in my head when I sleep, to which it wakes me up because I feel like things are trying to get to me. So, one night of course, I can astral project, so I decided to see if I could find my spirit guides and ask what is happening, when instead, I come face to face with what I can only describe as a sleep paralysis demon, the one who has taunted me for years, making me feel like he was licking my neck and entering me when he felt like. It basically felt like being assaulted by the vilest thing you could ever imagine. His skin is a shade of green, his hair all bushy and black, and his face I can't explain at all if I am honest, due to mental blocks. He began to laugh as though he had finally had the opportunity to take over my body. Through research, sleep paralysis isn't real, so I started to think, well, how can I feel and see this thing? And if it weren't real, why, why couldn't I move? So all of this is flowing through my head. I managed to repeat my sage spell, which helps to cleanse your room and house. Air, fire, water, earth, cleanse, dismiss, dispel, over and over. Then, I kid you not, the fear I felt was unreal. If you don't believe what I'm saying, I do not care, but out from the darkest corner, my spirit wolf Nuka leaped out and dragged this hideous thing behind me, tearing his arms from his shoulder and socket, taking it away out of my sight. Nuka is bright white with yellow eyes. He's been my spirit wolf for the last few years since I went to a past life and found him. He helped me let go of a few things, especially things that were hurting my soul. He then came back looked at me and nodded, and was gone. I found my body again through the darkness. This was over a month ago, and I have not seen that vile paralysis demon again. For anyone that suffers, I would always advise you to contact your spiritual guides and sage your bedroom every night. The protection is unreal, and has helped me more than anything else has. I hope you enjoyed my story, even though I know it was more unconventional than most. I think there is a demon or a ghost following my family. I'll start with saying that I'll have to send this in a couple of parts, so it isn't too long. And I apologize, this has been something that's followed me my entire life, but I'll share the most impactful or strange moments. I haven't told many people this, but since it's anonymous, well, you know, why not? I don't know where to start. This began before I was born with both my mother and my father. When my mom was young, she said there was only one time she felt true evil. She was young and living with her parents at the time. 
she awoke randomly and saw this tall, slender, black humanoid thing standing at the end of her bed. It wasn't sleep paralysis because she went under her covers and screamed for her parents. She didn't tell me much more about it or anything. She didn't really tell me about her other experiences before she passed away either. My dad is very reluctant on sharing his sightings because he has always been told that it was nothing. I've been slowly getting more and more out of him over the years though. Getting on with my personal encounters though. First odd thing that's happened to me was when we moved into our third house. When you walked into the front door, there was the living room down the hall and on the right and the dining room and kitchen to the left. You go to the living room and there's one hallway with three bedrooms and the bathroom. My parents on the left and the rest on the right, and one at the very end. Anyway, both my siblings that lived with me were sleeping in the living room in the sleeping bags because of the move, and my mom and stepdad were sleeping in their room. When my older sister and I woke up, we ran to the back room which was the one we were arguing about to see who gets it because it's the biggest one. When we opened the door to the closet, on the inside to the left of the door, there was a crudely drawn face and sharpie that looked like a half dog, half human thing. My sister immediately yelled at me for trying to scare her out of getting that room because that wasn't there the day prior and no one else went in the room. I know for a fact that I didn't draw it and when I finally convinced her of that, she said we shouldn't take it off because it might anger whatever did it. She is a strong believer in ghosts. I wish I still had the picture, but I lost the phone as this was over 13 years ago. Another time, in the same house, my sister and her best friend were exploring the attic which was off limits and no one ever went up there because they thought it was very creepy, not even my parents. Well, they discovered some boxes and ran off to tell my stepdad when he got home. He went up there and immediately ran down and called the landlord to take them out of the house right now. He didn't even want to touch the boxes that were up there and refused to tell us what they were. Now when I ask him, he pretends like that never happened which is infuriating because I'm very curious. Anyway, if you're interested in more stories with this demon or ghost that followed my family, I have a couple of other things that has happened that I cannot explain and might be paranormal. Hello Swamp Dweller, I'm a long time listener and this is my first time sharing a story. I love your channel as it helps me de-stress and distract me from my anxieties. I'm 36 years old and this happened around the age of 5 or 6 in Wallingford, Connecticut. We live in a large three-story brick and wooden house constructed sometime in the 1800s, adjacent to a thick set of woods which was the perimeter of our backyard. We used to play in these woods often as kids, riding BMX bikes, playing paintball, just normal kid stuff. As far as critters go, we didn't have anything too serious to worry about, other than the occasional black bear, but normally just deer, fox, woodchucks, and your standard woodland creatures inhabited our property. I was very familiar with the wildlife we shared space with, even at that age. My bedroom happened to be the only one facing the backyard towards the woods, and my bed was parallel to a sliding glass window with no screen. One night, I had sat up wide awake to the sound of the window next to my bed being smashed from the outside in. Shards of glass spewed all over the desk under the window and the floor next to my bed as if a stuntman was just jumping through the window or some sort of SWAT team breaching a door. The next thing I saw will forever be burned in my memory. Now bear with me, this is going to sound, well, different. 
but I will describe this as thoroughly as I can. A small, brown and scaly claw-like hand grabs the side of the window and leans a face that I will never forget. The first thing I notice are two bulbous, yellow glowing eyes with pupils locking onto mine, like laser-guided systems. The intense and bulging eye sat upon a sickly thin face, which I can only describe as a goblin. Its wrinkled skin was a grotesque fecal brown ridden with black porous-like holes. An exaggerated pointed chin hung under a grimace of gnarly, rotten yellow teeth, mangled, looking like a mako shark. This thing bared its teeth with an evil smile, its huge, pointed nose wrinkled and gigantic, flappy ears cringed back so its head looked like an agitated dog. Very slightly, this ugly little, whatever you want to call it, lowered his head while maintaining eye contact, revealing a set of recurved black horns. Looking like that of an impala, it was roughly two to three feet tall as I saw the entire outline of its being squatting on my windowsill. This goblin thing and I locked eyes. I saw it advance towards me about one millimeter, and then the memory completely cuts off there. The next thing I know, I am being reprimanded by my parents for breaking my window as there was glass all over my desk and floor. They did not believe me about the goblin. I don't really blame them, I guess as I was a very young child at the time, but I do know what I saw. I was wide awake and this was not a dream. I've investigated this as much as I possibly could and found some possibilities as to what it could have been. There are two cryptids that have similar appearances, the Duende and something called Brownies. Problem is, Duendes are normally in South America and Brownies are in Europe. I was in Connecticut. Duendes are a little smaller than what I saw and Brownies are said to wear clothes as this goblin thing was naked. I do plan on getting hypnotic regression to revisit this memory, as well as my out-of-body experience and maybe something else. But this one hit me the hardest. Was it a goblin, or could it have been some sort of demon or something? Aside from the goblin-like features, the darn thing looked like the devil. It's a lot to get into, but I suspect that this might be the case, and I might have had an attachment to this thing. I think it possibly feeds off my negativity, I honestly wonder if it somehow jumped into me. If you want a visual representation of what this thing kind of looked like, search for the band Necrogoblicon. The singer wears a mask that looks very close to what I saw, only it was brown and with recurved black horns. Thanks again for allowing me to share this experience. I don't know of anyone else who has ever seen a goblin or some sort of demon, but I do feel at home sharing it in the swamp.